1: Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem-solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
0: Even the three-game road trip, we're still 2-1, and you know, still win one, lose one. Uh, We have to put a lot of games together here. We're still looking up and got to jump a bunch of teams. So uh, we're going to play home games and to string together
2: games, we got to win here. Uh, you know, our record here is not great, especially against the Eastern Conference. Thankfully, we're almost done with those guys. We can just concentrate on our division in West. Uh, but, yeah, we got to start winning games here. Uh, we know it, and time's running out for it.
1: That's Edmonton Oilers center Mark Letestu talking about his team's performance in its recent three-game road trip. While the games against the Montreal Canadiens, the Toronto Maple Leafs, and the Columbus Blue Jackets were decidedly the Oilers' best of the 2017-18 National Hockey League season, there's still seven points out of a playoff position in the Western Conference. Five teams sit between them and the filed wildcard spot in the West. On any given night, one or more of these squads will have gotten points from wins or overtime losses, making the climb to the playoffs a difficult one for Edmonton. But strong showings on the road trip provide some hope all is not lost for the Oilers. That said, the team enters a stretch of games against some strong Western teams, the Nashville Predators, the Minnesota Wild, the San Jose Sharks, and the St. Louis Blues, all of which sit in a West playoffs position.
0: I'm Rob Tuchkoski. I'm Jim Matheson.
1: And I'm Craig Ellingson. I talked to Robin Matty, the Edmonton Journal's and Edmonton Sun's Oilers beat writers, about where the Oilers have been lately and where they're going, and how critical every game is becoming. In our Oil Spills podcast for December Fourteenth, twenty seventeen. The Edmonton Oilers are coming off what many people are saying is their best three games in a row. They won a couple games, lost a game, uh, three-game road trip. Rob Tichkowski, you were there for all three. And what what's the difference between the team you saw and the ones we've been seeing before?
2: Uh, well, before, basically, everything was going wrong with that team. Like They, they weren't getting offense. They weren't getting saves. Special teams uh, weren't clicking uh, on either side of it. And it, it all just came together, and I think a lot of it is just confidence So much of sports is is between the ears and how you're feeling about yourselves and and how you're feeling about your teammates. And they got it rolling a little bit in in Montreal. They always play well against Montreal. They always play well against Carey Price for some reason. So that was somewhat predictable. And then, you know, the big one was Toronto. Like, you know, they didn't have Austin Matthews, sure. But uh, Edmonton thoroughly dominated that game. Didn't come away with the win. So at that point, you're thinking, okay, they're either going to sag because it's like, woe is me, we played this great game and we just, you know, nothing's going to go our way it all you know so you're waiting to see what comes out against Columbus and and they were like they were firing against against the Blue Jackets so i think a lot of it just has to do with you know feeling a little bit better and the fact that Connor McDavid is now closing in on on 100% is is monumental you know he he took control of that entire road trip pretty much six points and uh you know the team you know he lifts the ships around him when he, when he's uh, playing that well
1: cuz he was uh He's been sick, hasn't he, for the last, it seems like forever, but at least for the last month. He's, you know, been skipping practices, skipping skates, uh, you know, had had he lost some weight. I heard 10 pounds, Mm -hmm. somebody was saying. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, the malaise, uh, he's, I would hope that maybe that's part of it.
2: Yeah, he's back to being a, a next level player, and he was like he was. He has really sick with the flu, and then because he was weakened by that, he caught the other thing that was going through the room, and he spent the better part of a month just you know feeling gross and weak and tired, and he he looked kind of you know, sickly, you know just just by looking at him, he's gaunt and everything, and now and it showed in his play. He was all right, you know. Credit to him for trying to battle through it, but you know Connor McDavid at seventy five percent is really good, but Connor McDavid at you know ninety five to one hundred percent is what we're seeing right now and that's a big reason why the Oilers are maybe turning the corner we'll see
0: probably a 50 points now if he hadn't been sick instead of 39 which is exactly the same number of points he had last year at this time so even though he hasn't had his best stuff this year uh because he's been sick he's got exactly the same number of goals and exactly the same number of assists through 31 games 39 points so Mm -hmm. Um, he picked it up in the second half of the year last year and pulled away and won the scoring title. So he still figures in not 40% of the older goals, you know, even if he's sick. So strep throat he had and the flu, so he didn't wasn't great. But here, as Rob says, 75% of Connor McDavid is still better than, than 100% of some role players in the league. Um, and he managed to get points even though he wasn't feeling very well.
1: Yeah, and to be fair, I mean, obviously, you know, as dominant as Connor McDavid was for the during the three games here, uh, we had other players step up as well. I mean, Mark Letestu had, uh, you know, at least one or two really good games. Um, you know, he hasn't uh, been scoring at the same clip he did last year. Um, you know, Milan Lucic also looked looked good as well. Of course, he's playing on a line with Connor McDavid right now. Yeah, I was going to ask you guys what do teams do i mean you know the flu colds strep throat stuff that you know people can spread easily person to person what do teams do to try to corral that contain it prevent it i mean in this modern day and age you know i know that you know vitamin shots aren't everything and Mm. all that but they must go to great lengths to protect their players as best they can but you know clearly it's not you know there's no magic bullet for it
2: yeah it's i mean you know the old you know, you don't share the water bottles. Everybody has an individually, you know, labeled uh, labeled water bottle. They try to put you in isolation if you're sick to try and keep you away from everybody else as best as you can. And they're taking, the, you know, whatever it is, the cold FXs or the stuff to, to – and they're elite athletes, so they're not going to get sick as easily maybe as, as the rest of us uh, slobs are. But, you know, it's going to happen. And when it does and when it starts to go through the room, it's it's tough to put the brakes on it because you're – you're all on the same plane, you're all in the same bus, you're roommates, you're, you're dressing together, it's, you know, once they take hold it's it's really tough to, to fight it off because you're just you know, 23 dudes in one room and two or three or four of you are sick. Good luck to the others. It's very difficult for any player to get through a season without
0: getting sick. But When, when it does get, start running through a team, pretty much everybody gets sick and they're not quite the woe is me like most guys in the world who you get sick and you know, if you t- you have a wife, she always says, how come I can suck it up and keep making dinner and doing everything I have to do and you get sick? And yeah. She says, oh, I feel terrible. Yeah, okay. But they're athletes and they do get sick, and they but they do tend to come back a little quicker. Than, uh, but they're also expending an awful lot of energy when they're at work than most people who are sitting at a desk or something. So even though you're starting to feel better, your lung capacity probably is not at its best skating up and down the ice.
1: It's almost as though you know when they built Rogers Place or has any team, you know, with, it's, you're almost tempted to protect your twelve point five million dollars a year investment in Connor McDavid by, no, you have to live in this controlled environment and apartment. Yeah. You can't go out at night, you can't interact with anybody because you. Well, we need you to win. No, I, I know it's not quite. It's not like that. Not yet. Mm.
0: Maybe someday. It doesn't have that uh, bubble in the dressing room yet. You have <laughs> like the boy in a <laughs> yeah. bubble who yeah. sits by himself in, in the dressing room if he's sick. It hasn't quite got to that. But I'm sure they get flu shots like the rest of people do too, and they had those early in the year, but they still got sick. So. The
2: Calgary Flames, didn't they have some flu shots a few years ago? Yeah, they kicked did. They kicked everybody out of the line so they could yeah. get it.
0: I think that was H1N1, <laughs> was H1N1. I, I think that was a little more serious than the flu going yeah. around, but yeah. But they did, uh, I think, do that.
1: So the Oilers are, uh, you know, they're coming into, well, I guess, it's been make or break for them for a few weeks now. But we're at a point where they're sitting seven points behind the final playoff spot. But not just that, there's a whole crowd of teams, you know, fighting for that position. You know, I think there's, is it San Jose that's sitting in the final wild card spot with 35 points? But then right behind them, there's Calgary and the Chicago Blackhawks, 35 points. And there's five teams between Edmonton and those teams or, you know, however many teams are between them.
0: I think the owners would feel a lot more comfortable if they had a three in front of their their point total because then the teams in the wild card is like 35 and they can say, okay, we've got 30 here. We're not that far away. But they still only got 28. And they know very well that when they're not playing that night, there's a couple of teams that are playing, getting points that they're not getting. And in a lot of cases both teams are getting points because it's goes to overtime or something like that. And um orders have won six of the last ten games and I don't know if they picked up one point
2: in those in that last ten games. Yeah. They lost the point. They were they went they went six and four, you know, their best stretch of the season and they went from six points back to seven points back. Like it's it's murder making up the grade. It's not the points. The points are tough. If you had to make up seven points on one team or two teams it would be difficult. But to make have to make it up on five or six is boy that's a tall order because like we were saying like every night somebody ahead of you is getting points so like when you're idle somebody's getting points when you lose somebody's getting points when you win somebody's getting points so you have to you have to go 8 and 2 just to make up a couple of uh, a couple of those points so you know 7 is tough but you know 7 points is only a couple of wins and you're three out with 50 to go you're fine it's it's trying to be 7 points better than 6 teams uh, over the course of 50 games this means you have to be playing some really consistent hockey which they're not getting at home right now and that's a big deal well
0: the problem is they haven't been over 500 since the first game of the season you know every time they they look like they're closing in on 500 they lose another game and before you know it they're four games under again and now they're th- they played well but they're still three games under 500 so they have to get to 500 I think by the end of this calendar year so they can start saying okay now we're at 500 now let's Let's be three games over 500 every month from now till the end of the season, or four, or whatever it is, to try to get to you know 12 games over and see if we can get 90 some points. But they got to get to 500 first, and they got to start doing that at home, where they're if not the worst home team in the league, they're darn close. They won five home games all season; they won eight in a row. So until um, they can start winning games at home.
2: Uh, they're not picking up any ground, yeah, and they got some games coming up. I mean, they got Nashville. You've got St. Louis. You got a couple against Winnipeg. Like you know, that's a, that's the meat of the order coming up that they're going to have to dominate against. Not hang around 500 because that's not going to it's not going to cut it for them. You have to play 750, 800 hockey against some heavyweights that are going to be coming through town in, the, in in the month of December. So, you know. It's, it's, this is the stretch that uh, you know, I think we should know one way or, or another by Christmas what this team is all about and how the season's going to go.
0: And interestingly, last year when the orders, when teams would come in to play the orders, they would be saying, you know, if you can beat the orders, that's a really good test for us. Mm. This year, now, the Nashville's coming in and they're saying, that's a stern test for us. Well, last year it wouldn't have been that, would would have been the other way around. But now, when they're looking up at all these other teams, they're thinking, oh, we can just beat this team. You know, then we were on our way, and uh, it's funny how it turns from one year to the next. Except for Nashville, they got to the Stanley Cup final last year. I think a lot of people thought, yeah, it was maybe a fluke. They got to the finals. We'll see how they are the next year. Well, they're every bit as good this year as they were last year, and one of their best defensemen, Ryan Ellis, has not played a minute this year, and they're still really good.
1: Yeah, we, we've been saying all year why why haven't the Oilers been playing up to what they played last year. You know, using what you said, uh, you know teams will be coming in here going, "Oh, that's a tough test for them Here the t- tables returned, but now we've seen you know what you know this last three games I mean pe- I guess we're all g- grabbing onto you know some hope that hey this the team has finally showed up. I suppose you know we'll have to wait and see um, what's going to happen because the games have to be played, but another part of it too. I mean, we haven't had very many Western Conference games for the Oilers. They played a you know heavy on the East here to begin the year. So now we have games against your divisional and conference opponents. The guys, the, mm-hmm. the play, the, the teams that you're chasing, you know, some of the teams that you're chasing. Now these these become very important games. But it's you know here we are. They're playing better. We're coming into the stretch of games against you know was what, what it four or five in a row against mm-hmm. Western opponents. How much how much of a uh, how big deal is that?
2: Well, it, it it could be that could be kind of the light at the end of the tunnel that they're looking for because this is a team that was built to play in the Western Conference that you know bigger, heavier, heavier hockey. They're very good at it, you know. And and so if you know you, you've got all those teams coming up that you were built to play against, and you need to win them, and those are the teams that you're chasing down for the points. I mean, it it kind of all lays out for you that if you get it done, you know, you can put yourself in pretty good shape. But if you know. These are also very good teams. Sometimes, you know, ten, fifteen points better than the Oilers are. So, uh, it will be a tall order. But I think, like I said, I mean, this is a Western Conference team that played very well against Western Conference opponents last year. Uh, so we'll we'll get to see what they're all about. And I'm, I'm sure they're looking forward to it as well. They, I know they are. They were saying it this morning that you know we got a bunch of teams that are in our sights that we get them head to head. You know, and we're a Western Conference team built for the Western Conference. So let's let's see what we're all about. You're
0: right. Uh, I would suggest though a lot of these teams are in the other division in the Western Conference. They still don't play enough games against the teams in their own division. The LAs To, the to L. even yeah. say okay if, if we even get to third place in the in our division, we might not the well it might not be as bad as trying to beat the wild card teams. Mm-hmm. Uh but you know, they've played so few games against the Pacific Division and they get San Jose in this stretch before the end of the the year, but there's still an awful lot of central division games, you know, the St. Louis and and Chicago. Minnesota and Nashville and Chicago and uh, Winnipeg twice. I mean, they're still playing teams in their own conference, but they're not in their own division where, you know, they have to beat those teams to f- get a playoff spot in the top three, so...
2: Yeah, they They're got, not picking up any ground against those teams. Yeah, keep themselves close so when the schedule is almost entirely Pacific Division against Pacific Division that they'll, uh, they'll be able to work their way up. If they lose too much ground heading into that, they won't be able to catch up.
1: Does the NHL schedule this on purpose, like heavy on divisional opponents later in the year? It's been that way for a long time. I mean, the
0: Oilers aren't the only team. The Western teams play the Eastern teams in the first half of the season a lot. And then there's sporadically in the second half. But after Christmas, it's almost all conference games. Why is that? I don't know. They they just get them out of the way. I mean, the Eastern teams are coming to West to play a lot of games too. So they get the Western games out of it. They just figure the rivalries and stuff, they want those in the second half of the year. And... uh, the problem is the games are easier to win in October than they are in January, right. February, and March, and the owners did not play well enough in October, and that's yeah. how they dug themselves a the hole. And I don't know. I don't know. if they, you know, Like I said, there's other teams winning four in a row. Remember when Philadelphia came in here a week and a half ago, they were 1-10, and, yeah. and suddenly they won four in a row. If the Philadelphia Flyers can win four in a row, the owners should be able to win four in a row. Yeah. And that's the only way you suddenly get back in the playoff picture is not laying an egg, and that's that remains to be seen. That's the problem with the orders. Just when we start thinking things are turning around, they come back home usually, and play a very poor game. And they're saying, "Oh man, not again!" And then they they get slapped in the face, and then start to play a little little bit better for a couple of games, and then play another bad game. So. I don't think there's been much middle ground this year, Rob. They either play no. a really good game against a good team or they play a very poor game. There's not been a lot of middle ground. You know, Toronto won nothing. You know, they played Philadelphia or they played Pittsburgh a couple of times where the games were really close last month. Mm-hmm. And those weren't blowouts either way. But there's, that's the problem with the orders. You
2: can't tell what team you're going to see from game to game. Yeah, you can't you can't make any sort of judgment on this team based on uh, a one- or two-game segment. You have to look at, a, you know, like how do they look in the last 10 days? That's kind of how they're trending because there's just, you know, if you say, oh, they're playing like garbage and they come out and they play great and you say they're playing bad again and they come out and, you know, you just, you have to judge them on, on, on the overall body of work over a over a 10-day period because they're just wildly inconsistent. And if it you expect it, if it's going to change, it'll change now that the team we've seen over the past, three games will be the team that largely we see over the course of the rest of the season if not it's going to be over very quickly and if it is then then it'll be an exciting dramatic chase that they might have a chance in but I think the time to see that consistency is like right now literally today well we've seen that in the past where the orders were
0: scrambling to try to get into the playoffs you know back in the you know Early yeah. 2000s, yeah. Red Murray days, right? where you know the last month of the season was really interesting. You're thinking, yeah. oh, they got to go 15 and five the last 20 to get in, and they, you know, a couple of times they yeah. <laughs> came close, yeah. and it made it very interesting. Whereas last year, you knew the Oilers were in the playoffs, just whether they finished first in the division or Anaheim finished first. So there wasn't a lot of pathos to the to the last part of the season. You know, they were in; you knew they were in, but you know, like I said. Rob says if they can get it going to where they're playing this well against all the games from now until the end of the season. But that's a tough chore to play the next 50 mm-hmm. games like you just played the last three. But they don't have much choice. There's not much wiggle room here to be throwing games away.
1: You know, the orders. you know, they played the, these last three games this well, minus their starting goaltender and minus their best defenseman. So, and those two, you know, I, I think are – on track to be coming back to the lineup in the, mm-hmm. in the near future. What does that say about the team? Uh,
2: but just that you have to, that it is a team game and you have to everybody has to go and they're getting, you know, the fourth line is going, you know, they're getting the balance scoring and, and just, you know, like Gretzky was saying it the other day, that it, it takes, you're not going to win in the NHL unless you have 20 guys going. doesn't matter if you have McDavid and Dreisaitl. And Look at Vegas. They don't have any stars either, right? They, they, they kill for a lot of the guys that the others have out uh, they they can still put it together. So it's just, you know, everybody's going. Like when they they scored 13 goals on that road trip, you know, 11 different goal scorers they had. So if you have that, you can overcome a lot of injuries and a lot of adversity. And, and the key is to just to keep that rolling. And, you know, it's like, man, easier said than done, but it, it needs to be done.
0: I think the an interesting thing is when they moved Dreisaitl to center to give them three centers – most people thought, well, how's that going to work? Because Settle by far is their best uh, right winger. Well, it, as it turns out, they finally got some scoring from some other people like Pugliarvi and, and, and Kara, two young players, a left winger and a right winger, uh, which gives them a little more faith that their wingers can score s- some goals and all their, di- all their strength isn't down the middle. And uh, Camilleri has played quite well the last several games as well so there's the three wingers in their top nine that are also doing some stuff so that's a positive um, especially I would say Pooley who looks like a, a player now he looks like last year he looked lost most games after the first couple of weeks in the season he played you know, around 30 games had one goal so he looks like a, the fourth player picked in the draft right now and Kara looks like a player that that Vegas should have picked off the orders list in the, in yeah. the expansion draft, not Griffin Reinhardt who's playing in the minors. Mm-hmm. So at least that's a positive. You know, you're grasping at straws trying to find positives. Uh you mentioned about okay they've they've been without Talbot and Sekura, except Talbot has not been this this year's Talbot has not been last year's Talbot. So he's struggled himself. So if he was playing as well as he did last year, they would probably have four more wins anyway
2: i would su- suggest and they would, they'd have 35 points they wouldn't be in this boat yeah, and, and what he looks like when he comes back will be interesting too if he needs a couple of games to get back to where he was then you know you know that that might be tough but some of those moves like you know going for going three centers down the middle that like you know it, it, I'm not saying it's on mcclellan but that could have been done a lot earlier than it was because he was married to that mcdavid dry sidle thing and the team wasn't winning they weren't generating any offense they were their lowest scoring team in the league they were pushing last place and he just wouldn't budge on it. And then he then he went, you know, McDavid, RNH and dry and you know, guess what? There's there's a little bit more balanced scoring. The team is getting a little bit better. Jesse Puljujarvi, you know, like a lot of people are saying give him the same opportunity you gave uh Kyler Yamamoto uh, out of training camp. And you know, when he was really, you know, didn't want him up there, wasn't giving him that sort of opportunity. Now that he's there, he's playing great. So had he done that 10 games into the season, would they be in a different place? I don't know or did they have to wait on... It's the play? old chicken and egg. I don't think he wanted to
0: put dry sidle at center until if some of the wingers looked like they could actually... He yeah. didn't want to stick dry saddle with two guys in a wing where it was major heavy lifting yeah. and two guys well. that couldn't put the puck in the ocean. I think he you know, he wanted to f- try to find some wingers that could also do it themselves. And you're right. I mean, he waited a long, long time to do mm-hmm. it. Um, and right now it looks better. Now, if the order's power play ever got going to where it was like the last three games I think they would also have four or five more wins because that power play has lost them a lot of games this year too where where other teams would kick in a power play goal every game
2: and the orders would go well they went eight games in a row without a goal so uh, and say what you will about Everly. I mean he's better than Strom they could use a 25 to 30 goal scorer right now and uh, you you know they just they gave him away for money that they didn't spend so that was that was a big hole in the lineup
1: and you know a week ago this time we were talking about Laurent Poçois and whether or not the owners would should uh, seek out a veteran backup at this point in time but you know here we are coming back from this road trip he did let in you know a couple of goals he would like back I'm sure but I think going forward what do you think?
2: Yeah, like it's, so does Talbot. All goalies let in a bad goal here and then. It's just when I mean, you know he does it, you know, that Calgary thing notwithstanding, that was pretty pretty brutal. But you, you have to give the guy some action. Like he's been with this organization for a long time, and he's hardly played any games. You know, last year he barely got a sniff. So it was almost a, a, a write off of the season. Now that he's getting some more action and a little bit more comfortable and a little bit more confident, you know his game is is trending up a little bit. Now it's it's always incumbent on backups to be ready to go the minute they put you in, but. You know, I don't know I don't know that they've managed his development as well as they should have. I don't, you know, that necessarily you needed to play uh, Talbot 73 games last year. Uh, but here they are with a guy, and they were watching to see what they had. And to some extent, I'm not sh- sure yet if they're totally satisfied. But, you know, it's obvious that the more a guy plays and the more you get him in there, the more confident he is, and then the better his game's going to go. I don't think you ever know
0: about a backup until the starter gets hurt. Mm-hmm and he has to play more games than you want him to. I mean, uh, San Jose, who the Otters will be playing next week, you know, Jones got hurt, and Aaron Dell was the backup, and he played quite a few games. And Now they look at him not as a 1 and a 1A, but he's better than most backups, so they don't have any problem playing him. And He's a young goaltender too. So, you know, it depends, I guess, which goalies are available in the summer. If there's suddenly a guy who's just like, okay, let's put it this way. Cam Ward's contract is up. Cam Ward's from Sherwood Park. Did they say at the end of the year to Cam, you want to come play for us for a million dollars a year as a backup? And he's been a starter in the league. He's won 300 games. And mm-hmm. and if they're not sold completely on Brassois, do they sign Cam Ward? I don't know. Maybe. I don't I don't know. But eventually you have to give the backups a chance. And 13 goals he allowed in the first three games of the, with Cam Talbot out and five the last three games and i i think people give a care a little bit too much about some of the goals that go in they always look at ah that wasn't, wasn't a very good goal but if you're only giving up two goals a game you went to 3-2 league you should still win the game right. so regardless of how many goals in this last little while you say ah, it wasn't a great goal he's still only given up two goals and one in another game and, and the, the game he lost in Toronto, the goal was scored thirty seconds into the game, but gave the orders fifty nine and a half minutes to score one goal and they couldn't do it. So and he had a game against Washington, he was really good and they lost in a shootout two one and he and he was pretty good in Buffalo and they they lost three one empty net. So he's had some games this year where he hasn't given up very many goals and the team still managed to lose those games. Mm-hmm. So they give I think they give Cam Talbot a little more run support than they they give the backup goaltender. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm i happy for him. He's a nice kid. You know, we say that about a lot of hockey players. There's yeah. a, you know, that's a problem with what we say. Oh, he's great in the room. He's a nice guy. And the guy, says, but how is he playing the ice? So, but I think he's a good kid and he's pretty self-aware when he lets in a bad goal and what's not a good goal. And he's more than willing to say, I should have stopped that. So, mm-hmm. all I know is we're, we've stopped saying, you know, how can they play Brassois? He get, played crappy last game. you know. Yeah. So it, that's a plus on his side.
1: Well, I was going to wrap up the podcast by, uh, I, I was thinking, uh, save it until next week. But at this point, what would you want to buy the orders for Christmas? If you were to wrap something up for them for the help on the ice, what what could they use?
2: I think they need a, an elite scoring right winger, somebody that just, to replace the thirty goals that they lost with Everly, and to give them two, you know, Camillary's fine, but he's not the, the the you know the final answer. I think they need somebody uh, just who can finish. You know, it's going to help the power play. It was going to help whatever center he's playing with. Somebody uh, like a one shot shooter who can put the puck in the net. Uh, Tampa is not trading
0: Kucherov. St. Louis is not trading <laughs> Tarasenko. Chicago not trading Patrick Kane. So they're tough to find. They're easier to find actually a winger who can score. I mean, James Neal is a really good. I think every team in the league's waiting for was waiting for the trading deadline to, to get James Neal because he's an unrestricted free agent. But he would be exactly exactly what the orders need right yeah. now. But Vegas isn't going to trade James Neal right now, and I I think they could use a a number one defenseman too. But unless you're trading Leon Drysaddle for that number one defenseman, yeah. Um, it's going to be difficult. Yeah. So they took, could they took, could use an offensive no, defenseman who puts up quite a few points. Yeah. Took Taylor Hall to get you Larson, so I wouldn't be. What maybe. would it take to get Eric Carlson, Leon Dreisidel and something else? Yeah, but not a whole lot more. I don't. I, is a number one center in the National Hockey League. Mm-hmm. I would suggest that if you went to them and said, "Okay, we'll give you Leon Dreisidel and they'd say, "Okay, we want Dreisidel and Nurse," and then you might have
2: to. Finagle out a bit. I don't know if I want to be the GM at trades Hall Eberly the dry No, that. no. <laughs>
0: but you know what? You know what? Of the defensemen in the league, there's only two that come to mind right away, and one's Carlson and one's Doughty. Yeah. And they're they're elite, elite number one defensemen. And if yeah. I don't know what Ottawa's even thinking that going to him and saying what teams would you go to in a trade? Are you kidding? Give him the same money that Connor McDavid got. 12.5 million for eight years and say, thank our lucky stars, we got yeah. one of the f- three best defensemen in the National Hockey League for another eight years yeah. and find other players.
1: All right, gentlemen, thanks very much. All
2: right. thank, All you. Right, thank you. Thank <laughs> you.
1: That's our oil spills podcast for today. You can subscribe to our show on SoundCloud and iTunes. I'm Craig Ellingson. Talk to you soon.